the auto industry is really all about product, new product. And today we're going to talk about the most important new cars that are up for the North American Car of the Year Award. Joining me today are Marty Paget from High Gear Media and Eddie Alterman, the editor of Car and Driver magazine. They, like me, are members of the jury for the North American Car of the Year Award. It's the only automotive award that's not tied into any kind of advertising. We call it like we see it. We're a jury of nearly 50 journalists from throughout the United States and Canada who work for magazines and newspapers, television and radio stations, newsletters and websites. We report on cars for all different kinds of audiences, enthusiasts, commuters and families. In other words, we consider all kinds of buyers. Even though the jury has already voted, we do not know who won. We'll learn that at the press conference that kicks off the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. So stick around because today on AutoLine, we are discussing the best new cars that are in the market right now. From our studios in the Motor City, this is AutoLine. Here now is John McElroy. Welcome to our discussion here in the studio all about the North American Car of the Year Award. And joining me are Eddie Alterman, the editor of Car and Driver magazine, and Marty Paget from High Gear Media. Great having the both of you here. Thank you. Okay, we know who the finalists for the Car of the Year are. Chevrolet Volt, Nissan Leaf, wow, two electric cars, or we can debate whether the Volt is electric, and the Hyundai Sonata. And Marty, let's start with the Volt, and let me start mm -hmm. with you. What's your overall impression of the Volt? I think it's a space shuttle. You know, essentially, it is you know, GM's long shot at making everything work at all, all at once, and they did it. Um, but you know that I've signed up to buy a Leaf, so you're biased I, here. I, I, I'm not. No, I don't think so. I think the Volt is a different proposition for a different buyer. Probably is even different geographically. Uh, both of them are huge technological and marketing successes, even though they haven't sold any vehicles. Really, uh, the awareness that they brought to electric vehicles is huge. That said. Uh, I think the Volt is a little too expensive for some people's tastes. Okay, expensive if you go out and buy it at $41,000. Right. I keep right. saying, go lease it. It's $350, $351 a month, $1 more than the Leaf, and I think a lot of people will actually go out and lease these things. Well, I think they will. It's, always, it's counter to what I always tell people, buy it, run the wheels off of it. So if you're bringing a lot of people into a leasing situation, uh, you know, is everyone going to want to lease a car? Who wants to own it? I mean, I want to own a car. And I don't think you can put a price on superiority or, or you know, social superiority and smugness. When you're, when you're driving that Volt, it's worth every penny of that $41,000. Because you look over at mm -hmm. a guy in a BMW 7 Series and you're like, yeah, that's old technology. There is a, an incredible um, sense of, yeah, driving a moonshot, doing something um, or, or putting your money and, and your personality into this thing that is really kind of futuristic and incredible. And what's amazing to me is um, just the spirit of General Motors as expressed in cars like the Volt and its, its opposite, like the CTSV. I mean, they're really going for it in a way that we haven't seen from them since the 50s and the 60s. And through a bankruptcy, through all this, they still kind of uh, didn't lose that pioneering spirit. And I think it's fantastic. And that's what, to me, the most surprising thing about this list of these three cars, Sonata, Leaf, Volt, is how unsurprised I am that they're on this list. You know, we've got two electric cars, well, one range extending, whatever you want to call it. You have a pure EV, and you have this 
Hyundai that, you know, however many years ago, they came in 25 years ago, 20 years ago, they almost went back to Korea with their tail between their legs. I mean, everybody is a player here, and it's pretty incredible, I think. Let's go back uh, and talk about why you bought a Leaf. I think we really have to talk about the Leaf and the Volt simultaneously because I think it's going to come down to one of those two, but we'll get into that later in the show. Why would you buy a Leaf? I bought one uh, mostly. Or why do you want to buy a Leaf? Well, because right. nobody I, I can want, get one yet, right? I want to buy a Leaf. I was told April at first. Now it's late summer of, of, of know, 2011, yeah. so I don't know if that means June or September 30th. Yeah. Regardless, it's just the time for a new car to pass on a car to someone else. So I looked around, and we're kind of the test case for Leaf buyers. We already own a Prius. Uh, we are predisposed to new technology. I think my desk would prove that out. Uh, <laughs> and I really thought... I looked at the purchase as a gadget. How does this thing work? How am I going to enjoy using it over the years? It's a different experience, and I want to, I want to see that firsthand when it first hits the market. And there's something to be, the smug factor is a little bit of it, if only because this is our first electric car. Yeah. This is something that will not happen again in my lifetime. But I would submit that a full EV is not ready for prime time, and I think that your remarks kind of acknowledge that. What's incredible about the Volt is it can be your only car. I mean... You know, we've seen over the past couple of weeks the EPA giving its mileage standards, and really what that shows is they don't know what the hell they're doing. <laughs> Excuse my French. Yeah. I mean, the, the Volt gets anywhere from 37 mpg on the highway if you're using it just like a normal car and the battery is depleted or the, um, you know, the, the electricity is depleted to infinity. So you have this wide range, depending on how you use it, from 37 mpg to infinity mpg. And... That's unbelievable. I had the thing for a weekend, did all my errands, went Costco shopping, put the uh, toilet paper in the back in the hatch. I went 220 miles, and I used 0.6 gallons. Wow. Unbelievable. So you're plugging in every night, though? Plugging in every night. It was no skin off my teeth. I mean, it was very, very easy, very simple in its operation. Just plugging in at 120, um, getting a full charge in however many, 10 hours or whatever, and... uh, used it every day. And when I had to dip into um, the gasoline, the transition was so seamless and unbelievable that really the only thing you noticed is the gauge cluster changing over. There's no real difference in NVH. If you're under heavy load, you might feel some of the, the engine doing its thing. But, I mean, absolutely seamless. The vehicle integration on the Volt is unbelievable. It's so good. It, a good point, because uh, even the, the guys on the LEAF team at Nissan told me, wow, you know, we're, we admire what GM did because it's far more complicated than our car. They said, our car, all we did was you get batteries, you hook it up to an electric motor, you're good to go. It is a laptop with wheels. Yeah. <laughs> right. For, you know, for whatever that does for your, if, if you can picture yourself owning a laptop with wheels, then you're a LEAF. You know, if you, I think you guys in, in Detroit have a little different perspective because you tend to drive longer distances. So if you have just a slightly more urban existence, I can see us only charging a leaf once a week. Our daily driving use might be under five miles someday. So if you can live with 100 miles of range every night, then really I think a leaf You're is a better prospect, especially like in Georgia where I live, there's an extra $5,000 tax credit. So. The Volt 5000 bucks is not a half-bad incentive. The Volt begins more expensive uh, with the same credits factored in that they both get. The additional credit from iState makes it even more appealing. And, and I think that's what's going to come down to determining for which is the real car of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I know Ron Kogan, who's the editor of Green Car Journal, they made the, the Volt their green car of the year. And he said something that really struck with, stuck with me, and that is, this is how you bring electric car technology no, to the masses. Time. Because to your point, Eddie, if you can only afford one car, this car can do it all for you. Yeah. But I still uh, take to heart what you said, because I had uh, the Leaf for a number of days. I right. loved living with it. It yeah. was so exciting. Maybe some people aren't going to put up with that kind of excitement, because there really was range anxiety. Now, they give you so much information on the dashboard. It's a little overwhelming. It's actually. a little overwhelming. Yeah. You, you can tell, oh, you're driving this way, and that's good, and you're driving that way, and that's not good, and here you can punch up a map, and it'll tell you what your entire driving radius is and show you where you can go recharge the vehicle. Yeah. And I found that exciting. I mean, it was not just getting in a car and going. It was a travel adventure right. in the Leaf. Exactly. It's it's back to uh, the, the early old days. days. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit more snobbery, too, like you said, because um, if you know how you drive and you're willing to take that learning advantage, you look at the Volt, it's kind of training wheels. I'm beyond training wheels. I know what I'm doing. It's a little bit more authority behind making your vehicle purchase, and for that, that like vehicle operating without a net. Yeah, the leaf. Yeah, yeah. It's and and hardcore. what other car that's come out has made you be that careful about deciding how you drive and how you will drive it? That's true, and you do modify your behavior. Absolutely. Oh, you do because, as you guys know, in the leaf, as soon as you turn on the heater, your driving range drops by ten miles. There's only one twelve volt outlet or plug in the leaf, yeah. and that's for a good reason because everything you do saps power. They really would prefer you charge your phone at home. Yeah. yeah. Even that, as small a drain as that is. Well, yeah, well, that I found what I was doing in the cold weather up here was I'd, I'd drive around till my feet got cold, then I'd turn on the heater till my feet finally warmed up, then I'd turn the heater off just to yeah. keep the range as much as it could the be. The Volt manages that too. It'll decide, oh, you want seat heat rather than you know, pure HVAC. Well, the, the Nissan Leaf will come with heated seats, but they're not available yet. Yeah. And so everything that I've test-driven did not have that. In fact, I, I didn't think the heater in the Leaf was all that great. It seemed to warm up slower than a normal car would, and it never really got all that hot. Adequate, but... Well, not. they do it specifically. It's their patented technology, or however they've couched that they're also putting it in the Quest. It warms the bottom cushion first, probably more slowly than you're used to, and then lights up the back cushion. If you get it to a Cadillac, you t turn the heat seat heater on three, you're, making you're, pancakes. you're yeah. roasting yeah. something. <laughs> right. um, it, there are all kinds of little spiffs, though, to owning the Leaf that you're really going to find the analogs are more in consumer electronics, for better or for worse. Uh, that's, to me, that's a buyer that's more disposable income. It's probably fascinated with it more. And a Volt really is more of an everyday car, which you know, it's, it's a little more expensive everyday car. I, I don't know the how Leaf that plays out. The Leaf is even more fringe than the Volt. Yeah. You know, yeah. And I, I think where the Volt... Has, um, has real potential, is in the mainstream. We see another big spike, over $4 a gallon. I think if there's capacity there, um, there's going to be a lot of hand raisers for the Volt, absolutely. Talk a little bit about driving the two different cars. Forget about the charging and all that sort of stuff. What do you guys see as the main differences in terms of how they drive? Well, I mean, they both feel like uh, that pure electric power, that instantaneous torque, great mid-range passing. Uh, there really is no powertrain feel difference in a huge way. I mean, the, the Volt is heavier. It's 3,755 pounds. It's 400 pounds more than the Leaf. Which is probably about the weight of the engine. Uh, 
I, I think there's just more structure there's in the back the end of the bolt because too. of the uh, the casing for the battery, the T drive. There's mm -hmm. there's more than just batteries, but that's a big part of it Some for of sure. It, exactly, but it's it's low and it is centralized. It's between the wheels and it's low. And the CG is like, I think it's quite a bit lower than the, the Cruise that shares the same platform. So it's a stable, steady handling car and very faithful. I don't think that the steering in the Leaf is anywhere near as uh, accurate or, or progressive or linear uh, as in the Volt. I think the Volt is, is a little bit more fun to drive. And it, you, you know, you, you look at the, the passing performance, it's as good as a Mazda 6. There's really a, a feeling of grunt, and uh, you know you get used to it very, very quickly. You don't feel like you're not, you know, on pace with uh, the rest of traffic on the highway. Okay, now let's hear about the leaf from the guy who wants to buy one. I think it's not too amazing that both cars end up feeling a little like the places where they come from. I mean, the Volt has ground-hugging weight. Um, the leaf feels light and. It feels substantial. I don't want to say that it doesn't. It just feels more like a Japanese car from the 90s. It feels like we have removed all the weight we've accumulated with safety gear, with features. I mean, it, God forbid you'd put something heavy like a six-disc changer in this car. That would take too much power out of the battery anyway. It, um, it doesn't steer very well. But honestly, it's, it's, it's like the first... It's got lighter control feel. You know, it's more Japanese than that. Everything is lighter, and, you know, they've, they've also gone out of the way to make it feel airy inside. The upholstery choices are light. There's just... You know, the whole thing to me feels light, and that does not mean insubstantial because the doors close well. It doesn't, f they, they've said that they've built it to a higher refinement level because, of course, they're going to build infinity versions, and it's a lot cheaper to do that stuff once. Um, I can't see how much you improve it making it into an infinity, though. It, it, there couldn't be much more sound deadening, there couldn't be much more road isolation. It's really well done. They do a great job with that. Even yeah. the way the air flows over the, uh, you know, the fenders and the lights, they had to really manage uh, wind noise and flow because there's no engine there. I mean, there's nothing to mask anything. Yeah. That's uh, one of the things I first noticed getting in either one of those cars is you're instantly much more aware of all the traffic noise around you, the ambient yeah. noise. Mm -hmm. In fact, if you go buy a big semi or something like that, you can't believe how noisy they are yeah. because your car is so quiet. And just sort of echoing what you both said, yeah, to me, the Leaf, you sit much more upright. It's more of a formal chair kind of seating, a lot more glass area, bigger glass. So right. to exactly what you said, light and airy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, to what you were saying, Eddie, on the Volt, feels, you know, a so, little bit yeah. more hunkered down, a little, little bit sportier in, in that regard. I also found the Leaf much more easier to get in and out of in the back seat than the Volt. In fact, I had to yeah. do this funny twist of my ankle to be able to get my feet out of uh, the Volt. On the other hand, if you pop the hatches on both cars, there's a big cross member in the Leaf, so it's not as usable, not that it's bad, but not as usable for luggage as, uh, as the Volt is. And the Volt's only a four-seater because right. of the T-shaped battery. It right. goes between the seats. And it's interesting. I'm sure they're getting some structural rigidity through the transmission pieces in the Volt where they're not getting it in the Leaf, so yeah. that, that hump in the back is probably giving it some lateral rigidity too. You know, it's, it's a light car, it's a, it's a Miata basically with batteries. Okay, enough about the electric cars that are up for North American Car of the Year. We gotta talk about the, the Hyundai Sonata. Who wants to pick it up first? What's amazing about the Sonata is how unavoidable it is. You know, Malibu is avoidable. Fusion is avoidable. Sonata is, is unavoidable. What do you Just, mean by unavoidable? It's so 
feature-packed. It's so affordable. It gets such great mileage. It's just maxed out in all these areas that people in the segment really care about. That you can't go shopping without thinking about that Camry Accord. I mean, those are the new big three in that segment in a lot of ways. And you look at, at how much ground they've gained. As Toyota stumbled, as Honda stumbled, Ford has gained ground too. But Hyundai, I mean, in this really crucial segment, they, they're up 64%. It's unbelievable. Yeah. And it shows you how crucial, great product that really satisfies people is. I think it's important, too, that they probably looked around and saw the Accord had gotten very large and probably saw an opening where a slightly smaller car that still meets EPA large car. I mean, they can, they can trumpet the fact that they have a large car. You get inside it, though, and it's still fairly compact and feel. A lot of that space is under the glass where you can't sit or, or use it. But like you said, it's the features. Um, I think they also got lucky, the timing. Uh, they had a lot of good reliability reports from consumer reports. They were moving production to the U.S. where it's a little closer to the market. You have a lot more capacity. You have a lot more reason to want to sell a lot of cars. So you put a lot of marketing money behind it. But then you get a good-looking car. Yeah. And you also get a Kia Optima that is very similar underneath that has a completely distinct personality where I think the two are a lot more anodyne, a lot closer together in their anonymity before. One thing that I admire Hyundai for is having the guts, the courage to say, you know, we're not going to put a V6 in this sedan. Right. We're only going to go with a four. And that makes right. everything lighter. And uh, John Kravchuk, uh, who's CEO of Hyundai in America, was saying that if you want to look at um, one number on a car that really speaks to uh, the efficacy of an engineering organization, look at curb weight. And the curb weight on that Sonata is down some 400 pounds over. Lightest the, in the class. That's mm -hmm. unbelievable. And, and to your point, exactly. Once you decide not to put a V6 in there and you're only going to put in a 4, you can start to take out structure that doesn't need to support that V6. And then it's like, okay, now it cascades. Drive the brakes don't have to be as big. The shocks don't have to be as big and all the way down. And you come up with a lightweight car and that's how you get fantastic fuel economy. Uh, last summer, I was driving with four guys in the car with the air conditioning on. We're going down the highway at a little bit over the speed limit, and I was getting an indicated 40 miles to the gallon, and I was blown away by that. It's, it's unbelievable. But because they've got only a four in it, they've got a turbocharged version, and now they've got a, uh, a hybrid version of the car as well. So it's, it's quite an extensive range that they've got in this vehicle. Yeah. And, and again, I think it's one of the reasons why it's made the finalist list exactly. for I mean, car of the year. It is part of the trio, because the Sonata four-cylinder by itself, great car probably wouldn't have been elevated to this list, to that part of the list. Uh, but the fact that you can choose a turbo if you're so inclined. Um, but really, the hybrid, I think, is the killer version there. Um, it doesn't make it to market in time for the hybrid tax credits that have just gone away. But the fact that you can get a 40-mile-per-gallon highway Sonata hybrid puts it on par with Fusion, above Accord and Camry, which don't hit those numbers. And it gives them even more to market to. So not only do they have styling to market to, they have interior room reliability, and fuel economy now. The See, I, I don't agree on the hybrid because when I did a test drive with it, I was driving it around for our North American Car of the Year test drive day yeah. in hell, Michigan. I love the place uh, by name there. And as I was driving it, I thought, you know, I don't think this is getting that good a fuel economy. In fact, I think I can beat the hybrid with the base car. So I did a little test. I had one of our fellow jurors drive the car. We did a 15-mile loop. I followed in the base car. And so we drove the exact same roads at almost the exact same speed. 
And I, you know, I know a few tricks, as I'm sure you guys do, to try to get better fuel yeah. economy out of a car. So I pulled every trick in the book just about out. And when we got back, I had beat the hybrid by four miles per gallon over a 15-mile loop. So to me, that tells me I think they got some more calibration work to do on that hybrid. Well, and the hybrid's carrying more weight. And I also agree with you. I don't think the drivability of that hybrid is quite as refined as it is, you know, in the... It's not as good as the Fusion. I think that's no the best. Yeah. But if you look at where you're driving more highway miles, I mean, that's really yeah. optimized it, for no, highway it driving. Was. So. It was uh, essentially two-lane country road kind of stuff. Not stop-and-go driving. Right. And to your point, exactly, Hyundai says, hey... Our hybrid is designed to get better fuel economy on the highway rather than most other hybrids, which are in stop-and-go city driving. So I was driving it in the ideal situation for Mm. this hybrid, and I was still able to beat it with the base car, which again comes back to show just how good that base car is. So that probably underscores a different point that just having the word hybrid available to your dealers is probably more important than what the actual numbers are. Um, the tax hybrid, uh, the tax credit would be even better, but the fact that the basic car was already to the point where it was challenging the likes, I mean, it's elbowed aside the Altima, it's working on the Accord, the Fusion, you know, Legacy, right. which is also a great car in that but, segment. you know, but if the hybrid isn't that good, the market will catch on to that because the benchmark's going to be the Prius which is a terrific it's, car. It's their stepping stone, though. I mean, you know, five years from now, they're already talking about plug-ins and electric cars. So here's our placeholder. And the Sonata is kind of a placeholder. If you look at that, that car and then you look at the Elantra, I think we all agree that it's, the styling works a little better. The car's a little yeah. more refined inside. It's a learning process. And clearly that was locked in at a great point, but there's better to come. But they've also done some amazing things on the business side, too. You look at uh, what Automotive Lease Guides does uh, for their residual values and what they can do in terms of the lease price. I mean, 199 bucks for that Sonata. I mean, what is the Elantra gonna come in at? 129? <laughs> you know, they've done all the right so. things in terms of their warranty and shoring up quality and making sure people have real faith in their products. That's a good point though. That could actually be a problem yeah. because the, the Sonata is so good that you wanna bring in a smaller car underneath it unless you have a big price gap, most people, most Americans are gonna say, give me the bigger car. It gets yeah. good fuel economy. Well, but the first number, for the Elantra at least is just under 15 and the first number for the Sonata is just under 20 and admittedly both of them come equipped in a way that you'd probably want to buy at the door which you can't always say for the Honda Accord or even the Fusion to some degree. Mm-hmm. But again, just don't look at the MSRP because leasing I think is mm-hmm. is something that's going to prove, in, I, I think, what is it, almost one out of three cars are leased these days. I don't know where Hyundai stands in that range. I wonder how that's weighted to luxury cars. Because it, it, well, I, it's very heavy on luxury cars, So obviously. we're really looking right. at a number where people purchase them. Yeah. And uh, particularly with the Elantra, it's, it's going to be demographic too. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you already own a Sonata when your kid goes to school, you give them an Elantra. Because now you're convinced it's reliable and safe. And by the way, it looks good too. And we've right. had this the great experience. The feature is unbelievable. I hey, right. the, okay, I, hold on, because I'm going to put you guys on the spot. We're getting down to the end here. Okay, okay. we got the Volt. We got the Leaf. We got the Hyundai Sonata. Marty, which one's going to win car of the year? I think the Volt will win, but it's not my choice. I think it's a great car. I think it's fantastic achievement. It's fascinating, too. Uh, but I just think that there's a tendency to brush aside the leaf because it's almost like this historic moment is not happening. Uh, and I'm not sure why that is. I think it, For me, the Sonata is the most significant car, though. They're already mm-hmm. selling 150000 a year. And they were nowhere before. Right. That's exactly true. If the, if the cadence was different, 
I think you'd have winners all across the board. You know, you'd have, you could have Volt one year, Sonata one year, Leaf one year, but they're all right. together this year. But my pick is the Volt. I just think it's phenomenal. And uh, you drive it and you become a believer. The problem is it's going to take a 45-minute drive and somebody on a test drive to, to see that switch over between uh, both sources of power to really get it. Because when you do that, it clicks and you go, I, I think there's going to be a little bit of uh, volt fatigue on the part of the jury because it's one Motor Trends Car of the Year, right. uh, Automobiles, Automobile, Green Card Journals, Green Card of the Year. Right. My prediction is actually the Leaf is going to win this thing. I, I'd be happy with any of them. I, I wonder if the Volt yeah. doesn't still suffer a little bit because of everything that's gone on the last two years. Maybe there's still some people who think politically I don't want to have anything to do with it. But I don't know if that necessarily turns them on to... Japanese and Korean cars. Yeah. Okay, real quick, because we are down to the end. Truck of the year. We know the three finalists are the Dodge Durango, the Ford Explorer, and the Jeep Grand Cherokee. Which one's going to win truck of the year? They're all phenomenal. I think that the story is probably in Chrysler, just the turnaround with those vehicles. And Durango is so useful and so wonderful to drive and such a great ride. Uh, heavy, and I think that the six has a little problem motivating it. Uh, but that might win. Although the Explorer, even though it gets expensive with options, phenomenal infotainment package. The, uh, the ride and handling on that thing is really well sorted, and the packaging is terrific. I mean, that's going to be the harder choice. Okay, real quick, Marty. It's between the Explorer and Grand Cherokee. Either one is fine. I, I, I know which one I'd pick. <laughs> which one will you pick? I would pick the Explorer because I think it's going to have a much bigger impact on sales. I mean, there's a significance yeah. to butts and seats. Okay, I'm, I'm going with Durango, but... Eddie Alterman, Marty Padgett, thanks so much for being on. Thank you for watching, and I'll be back in a moment with some closing thoughts. I hope you enjoyed today's discussion about the new cars and last week's program that dealt with all the new trucks that are up for this year's awards. So far, we don't know who the winners are. That is top secret. But we'll learn who won the North American Car and Truck of the Year awards first thing Monday morning, January 10th. That's the kickoff press conference for the North American International Auto Show in Detroit. By the way, you can get more information about the auto industry on our website. We have information there from literally all around the world. But that wraps up this show. For all of us here at AutoLine, thanks for watching. We'll see you right here this time next week.